Hi, welcome to Pitt Town Church. We are so glad that you're listening to this podcast. We pray that this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus. If you would like more information, check out our website at www.pitttownchurch.com. Grab a seat. We're now going to read the Bible together. I'm Blake, if you haven't met me, and I uh, look after the children's stuff here at Pitt Town Church. And uh, yeah, we'd love to see uh, you guys around if uh, you've got some kids here. We do Glow on Friday afternoons, and uh, there's some information in your book. Um, yeah, but it'd be great to see you. But we're going to read from Luke chapter 8, and we're going to start at, no, chapter 2, sorry, starting at verse 8. Should be in the back of your booklets if you've got them on page 17. And if you are a kid and you just got a kid's booklet, should be on page 5 for you too. And feel free to open up to that. Here we go. In the same regions, shepherds were staying out in their fields and keeping watch at night over the flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all all the people. Today, a Saviour, who is the Messiah, Messiah the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. This will be the sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people he favours. Then the angels left them and returning to heaven and returned to heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a feeding trough. After seeing them, they reported the message uh, that they that they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard, just as they had been told. Hello, everyone. My name is uh, Tim, the other Tim. Uh, I'm one of the members here at church. It's uh, good to see you. We're going to spend some time thinking about God's word now, thinking about a Christmas carol. But uh, before we do, how about I uh, pray for us? Ask God to help. So would you pray with me? Just talking to God. Dear God, I thank you for Christmas. I thank you for the time we get to spend with friends and families. Maybe we go away. It's so, so good. But Lord, tonight, as we come and open your word, I pray that we might see more of how good Jesus is. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, can I be honest with everyone here? And maybe you want to be honest back in a sec, but If I'm honest, I love a B-grade Christmas movie. Hands up if you love a B-grade Christmas movie. Yeah, that's the one. A couple more less blokes than ladies, but that's all right. Here's the thing. I love them. They are so, so good because every single one of them is cheesy. It's predictable. It's over the top. It's never really would happen in real life. And if you watch a couple, you start to realize that they're all the same as the last three that you watched. They're so, so good. 
And at this time of year, right, Netflix and Disney and especially Hallmark, they absolutely love it. They are just pumping out the Christmas movies. I did some bippity-boppity research and I found out that Hallmark has made 31 Christmas movies this year. 31. You could watch a new Christmas – well, you could watch the same Christmas movie every day throughout December. Wow. And the reason that I love them, and maybe it's the reason you hate them, is because they're all the same, right? And so what I've got here is I'm just going to run through kind of what happens in every single Christmas movie. See if this sounds familiar. This is how it goes. It goes like this. Main character sad. What could ever make them happy again? Main character meets love interest in strange and unexpected Christmassy way. Main character and love interest go on Christmas-based adventure and begin to have feelings for each other, but they could never admit it. Main character, and this is the key one. I don't know why, but it seems to be the key one. Main character and love interest are about to kiss when strange distant sound distracts them and they can't kiss anymore. Guess we'll have to wait till the end of the movie. That's true. You all know that one. Main character and love interest want to be together forever, but they can't because of unexpected Christmas-based plot twist. But wait! Through the magic of Christmas and the power of love, and maybe Santa has something to do with it. It seems that sometimes he's like the girl's father or something. Everything ends up okay, and the whole cast of the whole movie stops their whole life and just watches as the main characters kiss for the very first time. Roll credits. Christmas is a wonderful time of year, right? Who's watched that movie? Yeah, that's a good movie. You know, I watched a movie this week on Netflix called uh, Too Close for Christmas. Exactly that happened. Unbelievable. I'm sure you would love to go watch that. And, you know, one of the reasons that we love these kind of Christmas movies is that they make us feel warm inside, don't they? We think, oh, that's a nice story. Maybe I'm the good-looking bloke or I'm the good-looking girl. Or, or the main thing, I think, is that we think, wow, I just love a love story. We all love a love story. We all want to fall in love. Love makes everything all right. And this Christmas here at Pitt Town Church, we have been thinking about the true Christmas story, the, the Christmas story from the Bible. And we've been thinking about it through looking at different Christmas carols. We've been singing a lot of Christmas carols tonight. And we're going to sing some more after. But we've been thinking about it through looking at Christmas carols. Last week, Chris at, at Church Plus looked at, Oh, come all ye faithful. But this week, we're looking at the song, Oh, Holy Night. And what I, what I want us to see is that just like those Christmas movies, those big gay Christmas movies, the true Christmas story is a story about love. It's a story about love. And, and maybe you are familiar with this story. Maybe you've heard it a thousand times, the true Christmas story. Or maybe you've never heard it before and this is the first time. But, but either way, this Christmas story, this love story is different. It stands out. Because it's not a love story between two pretty good-looking people. It's a love story between God and creation, between God and his people, between God and me and between God and you. And that's why this song is called Oh Holy Night because holy means set apart. It means completely different. It means unlike anything else you've ever seen. That's what this love story is. And so what I want us to see in the song Oh Holy Night are three things, three things. First, there's a problem. 
Second, there's a person. And third, there's a right response. Problem, person, right response. So open up to Oh Holy Night. It's in your booklets. It's on page 12 if you want to see the lyrics. But I'm going to read it out. And we're going to see if we can see the problem. What's the problem? So it says this, page 12. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Saviour's birth. Here's the problem. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Now, there are two words maybe that were a bit confusing for you. The first one is pining. Because unlike what I thought, it doesn't have anything to do with Christmas trees. I thought maybe we're chopping down trees, getting the pine wood, but that's not what it means. What it means is to yearn for or to hunger after or to thirst for or to lament. You know, sometimes in the morning I am pining for a cup of coffee. Anyone with me on that one? Everyone loves a cup of coffee. Sometimes, and I said this this morning, I go to bed earlier so I can wake up quicker so I can have the coffee sooner. Now that's thinking. But in this song, in O Holy Night, we see that the world is pining, is, is yearning for something better in sin and error. And so our second word is sin. What sin? Because sin, it's a little bit of a Christian word, isn't it? I mean, in the church, we use it all the time, but maybe you're not really sure what it means. Maybe you don't really use that in your normal language. And maybe even when you hear the word sin, you think that's offensive, a little bit of a dirty word. Don't call me sinful. That's not very nice. But I just want to clarify what we mean by sin. Because often, I think people will think that sin is a specific action, a specific thing you can't do. That's what the Bible says, isn't it? A specific thing, a specific action you can't do. Like, don't lie. That's a sin, so you don't do that. Or, or don't steal. That's a sin, and that's why we don't do it. Or, or don't murder. That's a sin, and that's why we don't do it. And that's, that's partly true. That's partly what sin is. But, but sin is actually much, much deeper than even that. A better way, a more helpful way for us to think about sin as we, as we look at this passage and this, this song is to think of it as an orientation of our heart and mind, an orientation of our heart and mind. That's what sin is. The Bible says that, that by nature, humanity, you and I, that we're against God. We've rejected God and His will for our lives. It's like there are two ways we could, we could drive in life. We could drive towards God. There He is down there. Or we could drive away from God. There He is down there. Well, not He is. Away from God is down there. And by nature, we've all gotten in the car and we've just done a big skid and head straight down the road away from God, 20 kilometers an hour. That's what, that's what the Bible says we're like. By nature, we have rejected God. And it's possible that you have rejected God and you're driving away from God as fast as possible on purpose. Maybe you're here today and you know that you're running away from God. You've had a bad experience or something like that. And now you're trying to get as far away from God as possible. But it's also possible that you're here tonight and you haven't really thought about how you've rejected God. You're not doing it on purpose. But either way, the Bible says that all of us, all of us have rejected God and we're running away from Him. And that is what the Bible calls sin. It's our rejection of God. And so when we see people hurting each other, when we see the world out of control, when we see families breaking down, the Bible says that's all a symptom of sin. Everything wrong in this world is a symptom of sin. And the ultimate symptom of sin is death. That's what the Bible says. 
And when we talk about death, especially in the Bible, it's kind of on two levels. The first level is that there's like death, as in we'll all die when we, we get old or, or something like that. We're all going to die. But there's also a second level. The Bible talks about a spiritual death as well. Because in the Bible, God, God equals life. God equals life. And so God gives life, but he also is himself life. So without God, you can't have life. And so that's why the Bible says the ultimate cost of sin, the ultimate symptom of sin is death. That is separation from God. Romans 6.23, it says this, it says, For the wages of sin, the cost of sin is death. And that's the problem in a holy night. It's the problem of sin. And it's been the problem in our world from the very beginning. And it's going to continue to be the problem in our world until Jesus comes back. And maybe this year, 2022, you feel the problem of sin, the symptoms of sin more than you ever have before. You see the news or you see things going on in the world and you think, wow, our world is trapped in sin and error pining and you're left longing for a solution. Or maybe for you, the the symptoms of sin are much closer to home. A broken family, unhealthy relationships, a workplace where everyone is just trying to push each other down so that they can go up the ladder higher. And then again, maybe even if you're more honest, you actually see the symptoms of sin in your own heart and your own life. You don't even live up to your own expectations. Maybe you look back on your life and you think, why did I treat that person that way? I know that wasn't nice. I know that wasn't kind. I know that wasn't right. Why did I, why did I act like, then, like that then? I know that wasn't, that wasn't right. And so for all of us, me included, we know that we aren't as good or as honest or as kind as maybe we want people to believe. And so that's the problem of sin. Our rejection of God is the sin problem. And out of that comes all these symptoms, all these things like selfishness and and violence and brokenness and pain. And so we've seen the problem. There it is. Sin is the problem. But the great thing about Oh Holy Night, the song, is that it's mostly about a person. It's mostly about a person. Because into the problem steps Jesus. He's the answer to the problem. Have a look at the song again, page 12, if you forgot. It's, this is what it says in verse 1. It says this, O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Saviour's birth. What does O holy night say the answer to the problem is? It says it's a person. It's Jesus. And because these carols, they're based on the Bible, we're going to actually have a look at the Bible. Blake read it out just a couple of moments ago. So read with me from Luke 2, page 17 of your booklet, if you you want to open it up. It says this from verse 8. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the city of David... A saviour was born for you who is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heavens and peace on earth to people he favours. 
the angels came down to the shepherds and they said, there's good news. And did you notice what the good news was? The good news was that there was a king who had just been born, King Jesus. The Bible says that the entire universe, everything that has ever been, ever existed, was created through and for King Jesus. King Jesus is the main thing, as we've been thinking about it, rise youth of everything. Jesus is the main thing of everything. That's the Bible's claim. And maybe that's a little bit strange for us to think about having a king, because we have a king, but he doesn't really affect our lives in any real significant way. You know, he's over there and we're over here. It's good to have a king, I guess, but he doesn't really affect us. And so what does it mean that Jesus is king of this universe? What does it even mean maybe that Jesus could be king in your life? Well, I don't know about you, but uh, for the most part, it was always assumed that you don't pick up hitchhikers because maybe it's unsafe or at least it never ends well in the movies. You know, it's always a murderer somehow. But I want you to imagine for a second that you are driving along your favourite road, wherever that happens to be, and you see a guy walking on the side of the road and you think, oh, it's a hitchhiker. I won't pick him up. And so you keep driving, and as you get closer, you realize that it's Jesus. Can you imagine that? So you think, well, if there's ever a time that I'm going to pick up a hitchhiker, surely Jesus is the guy I want to pick up. And so you drive up, and you pull up next to Jesus, and you wind your window, and you say, Jesus, can I give you a lift? Do you want to come with me? I'll take you to where you need to go. And Jesus says, oh, I'd love that. But instead of opening up the passenger side door, he, he walks around the front of your car and he opens your driver's side door and he says, look, I'd love to come with you, but if I come with you, then, then I need to drive. I need to get into the driver's seat and you actually need to hop over into the passenger seat. I need to tell you where we're going. I need to tell you the best route for us to get where I want us to go. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a little bit of what it means that Jesus is king in our lives. He can't sit in the passenger seat. He can't just be a passenger to you driving. He needs to drive and you need to be a passenger. He needs to call the shots. He needs to tell you where you're going. He needs to be in complete control of your life. And maybe it's very possible that, that when you think about someone having complete control over your life, that's a scary thought. Someone having complete control of where you go and what you do sounds like a recipe for disaster, sounds like a recipe for them to just mistreat you. But can I just say that Jesus is a different type of king. Jesus is a, is a different type of friend. He isn't trying to trick you. He isn't trying to like use you and then once you're all used up, he'll discard you. He's a perfect friend. The Bible says that when we trust in him, and we follow him, he won't leave us or forsake us. And more than that, Jesus actually proved this when he died on the cross. Christians talk about that all the time because it's so important. The Bible says that when Jesus was heading towards the cross, and even when he was on the cross, nailed up there, at any moment he could have just got down. He could have just called the angels and it would have all been over, and he didn't have to go through with it if he didn't want. But instead... And this is why Christmas is the greatest love story ever. He decided to stay up there and he decided to stay up there for you and for me. 
on the cross, Jesus was thinking about us and he thought that is worth the sacrifice. And so the question is, if Jesus has already died for you, then, then why would he give up now? Why would he stop now? And the answer is, he won't. He's already done the hard yards. He's already shown that he loves you and wants the best for you. And so what we see is that King Jesus is the answer to the sin problem. The Bible says that only what Jesus did on the cross can fix our world, can fix the sin problem. And that's because when Jesus died on the cross, he made it possible for our relationship with God to be restored. Remember that sin is caused by our rejection of God. And Jesus on the cross, he made it possible for that relationship to be restored. And so Jesus is the king we desperately need. Jesus is the king the world is desperately searching for, but they can't figure it out. No other technology, no other policy, no other government, nothing else will fix this world. Nothing else will stop the pining, only King Jesus. And so we've seen the problem and we've seen the person, King Jesus. And now I want us to see the right response. The right response. And it's in the song. It's in the chorus. It says this in the chorus. It says, fall on your knees, hear the angels' voices. O night divine. O holy night says that the right response to King Jesus is for us to fall on our knees. And once again, that's a bit of a strange phrase for us to use these days because we don't really do that anymore. But, it, but it's the same idea as letting Jesus be in the driver's seat. It's, it's the idea of surrender to say, Jesus, you know what's better than I, than I do. You know more than I do and you're a good king and I'm going to follow you. The truth is, is that Jesus loves you deeply. Jesus cares for you completely. And, and again, how are we sure as Christians? How do we know Because on the cross, Jesus had his arms open wide and he said, come, I want to forgive you. I want to be in relationship with you. Remember I spoke about Romans 6, 23 before and we saw that the, the cost of sin is death. That is separation from life itself, from God forever. But But the verse doesn't stop there. It continues and it says this, the wages, the cost of sin is death, but the gift, Christmas, eh? The gift of God is eternal life. On the cross, Jesus paid the wages, the cost of our sin. And that means that if we trust in him, we don't get what we deserve, which is spiritual death, separation from God, but we actually get eternal life. That is life forever with God. Here at Pitt Town, we believe that the story of Christmas, the street, True story of Christmas is the greatest love story ever told. The true story of Christmas is one about how God loves his people, how God loves you and me so much. And in the song, Oh Holy Night, we saw that there's a problem, that there's a sin problem. And we see it out there, and but we also feel it. In here, but we also saw in the song that there's a person. Into the problem came a person. Into the problem came King Jesus, the Son of God, who could deal with our sin problem. And finally, we saw a right response. 
That is to, to fall on your knees, to let Jesus get into the driver's seat so that he can tell you where you want to go, so that he can actually take you to where you need to go. The right response to King Jesus is to let him drive, to let him call the shots. Let me pray. Dear God, we are so thankful for the true story of Christmas. Thank you that the the true story of Christmas is a love story, that the problem has been solved in King Jesus, Jesus who can be our king and our friend. And I pray for all of us here tonight that this Christmas we actually might come to Jesus and respond in the right way, that is to fall on our knees and recognize that he is king. He is someone who we can trust in the driver's seat of our lives as we get into the passenger seat. Lord, I pray for all of us that we might see that this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.